The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio happy new year to all the listeners out there our very first show of 2023 and the flyers are going streaking yeah i didn't uh, see this coming at any point this season honestly uh but they've won what three in a row they've won five out of eight they're killing it look at them playoff push on the way baby Maybe, maybe not. Uh, We'll see as we get into today's show, but a lot to cover. We haven't recorded since before the holidays, at least I haven't. I don't know what these guys have been up to. Uh, So let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Henkel. I'm going to the game tonight, and I'm excited about it, and I don't know what that says about me. I think I'm mostly just excited because Eric Lindros is going to be there. It's exciting. Like, it's cool. You know, it's just fun when he's around. Yeah, gonna wear my highlights like what hockey used to look like. You think, oh my god, imagine if you played today where they're not allowed to touch you. (laughs) Jesus, it would be really good, but yeah, I uh, every time I think I'm gonna stop caring about this team, something happens, and then I'm like, ah, I can't really get out. There's no, there's no out. Like, if the last 10 years have kept, what are we gonna bail now? Like, that's just wasted time then. That's true. <laughs> like, Too much sunk, sunk cost fallacy, baby. Yeah. It's <laughs> We're like stuck in it. It's like going in. It's like going into the bathroom without your phone or a magazine. That's just time you're not getting back. Then. Yeah, you can't do that. No. You gotta be able to tweet while you're pooping. <laughs> yeah. And from the Athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey gang. So one thing that I find really, really funny 
and and maybe I'm the only person that finds this as funny as I do, but there's something hilarious to me about the fact that for years, for literally years, the Flyers have always stunk on their Disney on Ice road trip. And this season, the season where the team has no hope at all of making the playoffs, there were no expectations really, everything is a disaster, they go 3-0 and on the Disney on Ice road trip. Like, where was this in one of the good years when they actually could have used these three wins to, like, get a better playoff spot? Instead, they do it this year. Like, like it's just, it's really funny to me. While it is funny, there is also the fact that, like, the Ducks are the worst team ever assembled. True. Uh, the Sharks, real fucking bad. Yeah, they're not And the better. Kings are fine. The yeah, Kings the, the Kings fine. was the game I expected them yeah. to lose. And they were outplayed in that game. They just kind of, like, hung in there. And then Noah Cates scored a kind of fluky goal. And then they won. Like, that happens. It's hockey. But it is funny. The, the Ducks are actually hilarious to me because, I, I mean, I give the Ducks a lot of credit organizationally because the Ducks are not actually this bad. Like, they have no. some legitimately good players. What very clearly is going on at Anaheim, though, is that after about a month and a half into the season, they realized that Dallas Eakins has, is either just a bad coach or has just completely lost the room and they're not listening to him anymore. Now, in a normal year, what would you do? You would fire the bad coach who has lost the room. The Ducks, intelligently enough, are like, you know what? Why are we going to fire him? Losing mm -hmm. is good. Let's just yeah. keep him the rest of the year, continue to be terrible because they've quit on the coach, and then we might get Connor Bedard. I respect this nakedly, like, honest approach to tanking that they're taking because if they cared at all about winning, Eakins would have been fired a month and a half ago. But they're like, nah, we'll just keep the coach who clearly isn't the solution because he'll make us worse. Bedard or a top two or three pick with Zegras and Terry? Like, I would yeah. love to be the Ducks. Uh, the Ducks are in a Seriously. great situation. Like, now they, like, Gibson kind of, uh, he's been bouncing back a little, but, you know, he's been down most of the year. They have some holes and stuff, but organizationally, I'd much prefer to be in the situation the Ducks are in than the Flyers. Uh, but I don't want this to be an all negative show because we'll do plenty of those. You know, it's the first one of 2023. Want to ring in the new year with a little discussion about some of these guys. Well, one, I just think the, the lead question. Are the Flyers just going through a nice little stretch, you know, because every team does, that's hockey. Or maybe, maybe the Tortorella thing is starting to set in and they're becoming something different than they were for the first 25, 30 games. It's probably a little of both. Right? Like, I definitely think the Tortorella thing is a thing. Um, they've started to get some guys back from injury, which is obviously helpful. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't think the team's any better than it was a month ago. I think that, you know, they're just stringing together a couple of wins. I don't think it's going to last. Like, I could see them losing tonight. To be quite sure. honest with you. I could see them losing every game for the rest. I'm just... Yeah. But, like, yeah. do you think some of the players who we're looking to see take a step have maybe done so now, and we're going to see a little bit more sustained, not, like, greatness or excellence, but sustained competency for for a month, two months? I, 
I think there are positives. I think there are absolutely positives on this team. And I do think there's something to be said, as Kelly noted, about the Tortorella effect that, yeah, in the beginning of the year, for the first, you know, 10, 15 games or so, the Flyers were a dumpster fire that was being carried entirely by Carter Hart. That is not the case anymore. They are now, I think what this Disney on Ice California road trip reminded everyone who's still paying attention is that, yes, the Flyers are bad. They are not a good team. But they are a cut above the really, really bad teams. Yeah. Like they're yeah, just, they are they're, not Anaheim. They're not at that level. They're better. They're better coach. Like they're just more structured. And we knew that was going to happen when they hired John Tortorella. That John Tortorella, unless there was a full fledged mutiny against him, which, like, I guess you can never rule that out because it is it's always on the table. Yeah, it was on the table. It was a possibility. <laughs> but unless there was a full fledged mutiny, he was going to make this team better. Now, there's a ceiling as to how far he could make this team better because, got news for you, they're not that talented. But they were going to not be one of the three or four worst teams in hockey. And I think that's all this road trip reminded us is that they're not one of the three or four worst teams in hockey. And there's, when they play against teams like the Kings, who are actually good, yeah, they might be able to win some of those games. But for the most part, they're going to get outplayed. They're, they're not going to be as good. And they're probably going to lose most of them. But when they play teams like the Sharks and the Ducks and the Coyotes on Thursday night, like... I think there's a decent and above 50% chance in those games that they're going to win because they are a better team. And when I say team, I'm not saying like talent. I'm saying a cohesive whole. They are a better team than those teams. And I think that's all this reminded me. It's, <laughs> I keep getting back to like, it is the worst case scenario as we always, yeah. as we, it, we are as headed we right for it. Yeah, like in the best possible time to be horrible, they are not. Yep. Uh, now maybe you know they make some trades, they sell some guys, and they become worse. But I don't really think there's that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and part of the problem with yeah. that too is that like yes, the Flyers almost certainly will trade James Van Riemsdyk. Like Justin Braun probably gets traded, but he's not starting every night anyway. But like yeah, they'll get a little bit worse. In comparison to the other teams that are tanking, yeah. those teams are going to get a lot worse. Because, like, worse. for example, the Blackhawks are already bad, and they're almost certainly going to trade Patrick Kane. They might trade Kane and Taves. Like, they're going to go from real bad to, like, one of the worst teams we've ever seen bad after the trade. Are the Flyers going to trade for Patrick Kane? No. No. Well, because are they going to sign him in the Okay, office? well, that that's yes. more interesting to me. <laughs> the, the thing that might save us there is the oh. fact that I don't think Patrick Kane will want to go to Philly because things are real bad. Good. But yeah, we don't want you, I absolutely can't possibly want absolutely to. could see the Flyers being like, if they don't, like, unless, unless the organization, which they should do, fully accept the fact that they need to rebuild. And not, I'm not saying, like, sell every single piece that is nailed down, but, like, just go in with the mentality, say the fucking word, which they're terrified to do, like, say it. Unless they do that, I could absolutely see them, even if they fire Chuck, hire some other GM who sells them on the idea that we can fix this, guys, and then he goes and, like, makes a big push for Patrick Kane. Like, 100%. if you're another general manager... And and this is like way off track now, but just Whatever. if you're a GM who wants this job, you you're a GM who wants any job. Yeah, yeah. You would probably want that job for as long as possible. It's not fixable. So sell the Sam Hinky, like sell the hope 
sell the hope of a rebuild, you have a much longer leash if you're supposed to lose because being bad goes to plan. Yeah, but but see, the problem with that, Bill— I know. Ownership doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, in the end, I do think that ownership will come around and be like, yes, we need to rebuild, and they'll do something. I don't think it'll be exactly, but they'll do something in the realm of, like, the letter that the Rangers sent out where it's like, yes, we acknowledge reality. We know this is going to take time. They're going to do something like that, I think, in the end. But if they don't, and if they just, like, let's say the rest of the season goes where, you know, they they go about 500 the rest of the way, and they're able to convince themselves that, like, no, with a healthy team, we can actually turn this around quick— then healthy <laughs> then even if that they might were, be the most asinine part you're ever going to be healthy yeah but my point is that even in that case I, even I, if they were to fire fletcher and then go out and look for another gm yes you're right in theory a gm who wants a little bit longer of a leash would come in and say this needs to be rebuilt from the top down give me some time i'll fix this but i need four or five years the problem is is that Ownership doesn't want to hear that, so they won't hire those guys. They'll only hire the people who tell them what they that's, want to hear, which is, I could turn this around in two years, we'll be good. That's like, I hope there's some sort of collusion between all the general manager. The way the league colludes and everything's run by gentlemen's agreement. Like, all the candidates, hopefully, don't just give them what they, like, it's the... Uh, it's someone's going to go in there and be like, I have the poor, like the magic pill. Like it, yeah. it, absolutely. Someone has the master plan and it's going to revolve around Patrick Kane. You know, he should have been a flyer anyway. Like, <laughs> oh God. I mean, literally, is there anything more flyers? Like <laughs> to miss Johnny to and go get Kane? Yeah. Like going back to the Snyder era, is there anything more flyers than picking up an aging star on the very downside of his career for way too much money in free agency? It's like peak flyer shit. Oh, it's extreme. A year after, yeah. you could have had the guy, like... The younger the younger still You could have had the younger him. Like, yeah. almost the Wasn't same Wasn't time, guy. Bill. Wasn't time. The, the younger, but, much less problematic him. <laughs> yes. Also, the, the one who not, From like... Here. There's not major character concerns. Like, ah, uh, whatever. Anyway, the, I wanted to ask, like... But I want to talk about the players who might be starting to come around and really show something. Guys, we can joke about like them going and getting Patrick Kane. It's a nightmare. Uh, but the guys who actually might be a part of this thing, when they're good again, or becoming good again, working towards good, I uh, want to start out with one of our favorites. Morgan Frost. Now, hey. I, I came into the year saying, fresh slate. I believe it is... A possibility he becomes, you know, he grows into that number 48. He becomes what we thought maybe the possi- what the potential was for him. Clean slate, new coach, all that. And boy, did he get off to a disappointing start. Uh, but ever since that four-point game, he's now got nine points in his last ten, including five goals. He's actually scoring. He's been, contr- like... He's not invisible. That I think that's the best thing I can say about him because outside of the production, like it takes more than one guy to score unless you're just Connor McDavid and you can fucking go end to end and it doesn't matter if it's one on twelve. Uh, like it takes a team to score a goal. You actually notice him during the games, which wasn't the case for the first thirty of the season. Uh, could he maybe be turning a corner? Because it looks like. Yes. In terms of where he was to where he is now, maybe the biggest improvement I've seen. 
It's happening, Bill. It's happening. <laughs> Is it real? No, Is I don't really? know. I mean, to be fair, like, I know no one wants to hear it again, but if you, like, really look at the timeline of his career, like, this is He hasn't really, really had a shot. The first long stretch of, like, trying to figure it out that he's actually gotten in the NHL. So, like, maybe that's just what he needed. And also, you know, a coach that seems to know what he's doing with regard to, like, developing and fostering talent and players. So, I, I think, if nothing else... We're not going to go back to invisible dog shit Morgan Frost. He's just I think an that, AHL player and nothing yeah. else. That yeah. sort of. Yeah, I think that he's shown that he's maybe a little bit better than Boyd Kane, which is what I've been calling him. He might be a little <laughs> step above, you know, just a good AHL player. That, that is a, a really big admission from you, Kelly. He's not. I'm wrong all the time, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm still skeptical. Yes, he's he's played well. Yeah. Um, I think he's played okay over the last, you know, eight, nine, ten games, whatever. Um, I need to see more. But as I've said on this show, like, that's what this season is for. This season is for the Morgan Frost of the team, where when else are they going to get a look? And at this point, if Morgan Frost can just be. A, path, a, a decent third-line center who, you know, you shelter a little bit and he can give you 40 points a year. I'm cool with that. Like, there's, there's a use for guys like that. Is he that yet? No, I don't think so. But I do like, one thing I like about him over the last few weeks is that he's trying to make plays. He occasionally does make plays. There are stretches of games where you're like, man, Morgan Frost is like, he, he's, he's flying tonight. I never said that before. I would never be like, man, Morgan Frost, that guy is noticeable tonight. It was just yeah. there. And even if he would get a point, you'd be like, ah, oh, well, like, yeah, he picked up no, a No, it would be like a whoop, secondary whoop assist on, like, a line yeah. change. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Now, he actually is popping a little bit. Now, to me, the Morgan Frost thing is like, let me assess at the end of the season. Because right sure. now... You know, you look at his, I, I just did my, my midterm grades on theathletic.com, please subscribe. And the way I, I explained Morgan Frost is like, look, if I'm looking at this over the last 10 games, he's taken a big step forward, but I can't just ignore the fact 10 that games, for like yeah. a month, he didn't score at all. Like, I, I, I can't just all. wipe that out of my memory entirely. So like, let's see where he is at the end of the year, and let's see what the season as a whole can tell us about this guy. Because right now, he's exactly what I said a few weeks ago about him, which is that this is a guy who has one skill that's NHL level, or one skill that theoretically could be NHL level, which is scoring. He can't really do anything else. He's not a defensively oriented guy. He's not a play driver. He's not a fourth liner. He's a scorer. And so far, he is a scorer that has 15 points in 37 games. That's just not going to cut it. Now, if he becomes a scorer that can score 45 points in a season or 50 points in a season, I can live with that. But he needs to get better than we're like, this isn't enough. This is a good sign. It's not enough. He needs to show more. But I'm, I'm encouraged that he's at least showing something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 10 games, you know, it, Everyone has had a, everyone in the league has had a good 10 games. Yeah, I exactly. bet you Andrew McDonald somewhere had a stretch of 10 games where he looked like he could play a little bit. Uh, <laughs> somewhere, maybe with the Islanders or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like 
the way I'm trying to look at it now is, like, as you said, from here, like, if he can do what he's doing, you know, not nine points every ten games, because I don't think he's going to do that, but beyond that 35, 40, 45 point pace from here through the rest of the season, like, is that enough? Or is it you still look at the big picture and go, where was he for the first two months? It, it's at least enough to keep him around. Because, yeah. I mean, as, as we've discussed, this isn't getting fixed in a season. It's at least enough to be like, yeah, he deserves to be part of next year's team to show if he can take another step forward. Because next year, while, you know, hopefully we don't come in with the sort of pessimism we did, uh, they ain't winning next year either. It'll be no, once again about figuring things out. Hopefully they're figuring things out about a larger group of guys than the few we're going to name here. Like, And Frost can be uh, not a mentor, but kind of a blueprint for, hey, even if it didn't start out the way you wanted it to, you can still get there. You know, like, you can still work towards it, even if you don't come in right away, you're not a phenom, you're a disappointment, you're labeled a bust, you can still move forward. And that's why I want to talk about Owen Tippett next. Yes. 12 goals on the season, uh, 6 goals, 10 points in his last 13 games. Frost has shown the biggest improvement, because, like, last year when they got Owen Tippett, I was like, man, this guy's good, the puck just never goes in. Like, he's making plays, he, he's scoring chances, like, he's noticeable. Uh, he's more than that now. Like, 12 goals, it's not TK's 19, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but good pace for a guy you didn't really know. Like, John Tortorella, in camp, it's on camera, said, I don't know who this guy is. Are you a scorer? Are you a grinder? Like, are you a first liner, a fourth liner? We didn't know, and he's showing you he's somebody. Yeah, it's... It's good because, like, you got obviously, for G. I was going to say, like, yeah, it, it it was looking there for a minute. Like, maybe we didn't get anything. Like, maybe Florida was on to something by parking him in the AHL. But he's been a lot of fun in these last few games that I've seen because a lot of them were at 10.30 p.m. and I didn't watch them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but well, from what I've seen, he's been a lot of fun recently. And it's nice to see the puck going in just because I do think – as we've said a billion times, goal scorers are streaky. So once they start going, you know, tends to last for a little bit. And it's been... yeah, you just hope like the streak, like he actually gets on a streak. It's yeah, not, yeah, two, yeah. it's not like a two goal game and then done for a month. Like he actually has a two goal game and then two games later, like another goal, like he actually gets hot a little bit. And that seems to be what he is. Yeah, he's definitely one of the the guys that are, are he's factoring big time into the let's have fun while we're losing thing that we're kind of going for here. Cause he's, he's a lot of fun to watch play hockey. I think. Yeah. I just think what's, it, what's exciting about Tippett is that it's like, it's pretty clear that he's an NHL player and that he can find a role in the NHL as long as he continues to play like this, which I mean, he looks like a pretty good player, but I think what's exciting to me about him is that he fits an archetype that isn't that easy to find which is the archetype of the goal scorer who can beat goalies from distance. Like, I don't know, if you want to use the word sniper, you can. I don't know if he's ever going to score enough to be, like, a real sniper in the sense that he's going to be, like, a 40-goal guy. But if he's a 25-30 goal a year guy who scores a lot of his goals by beating goalies clean, like, 
he's a guy who every team in the NHL would want. And the Flyers could find a spot for him because if you're trying to build a balanced forward core, which is something the Flyers have not had in years, it's really helpful to have the one guy who can beat goalies clean from distance with a plus shot. And he can skate. He's a plus skater too. So it's not like he's a plotter like Kiefer Bellows who has the plus shot but can never use it because he can't skate. Um, Tippett is the type of guy that the Flyers can use, especially like what's really intriguing to me too about Tippett is that he's doing this in spite of the fact that for the first time, I mean, God, for the first time since the, the really bad year when they were the worst team in the league and they got second overall pick, like they don't have a true playmaking center. Like they always have a playmaking center, a pass first playmaking. So they don't really have, like they have Morgan Frost, but is he an NHL player? We're still figuring that out. But like, imagine if, you know, they come away in the next one, two, three drafts with a guy they get in the top 10 who is a pass first center. And then you stick him with Tippett. Suddenly maybe Tippett is a 35 goal scorer because he's with, you know, a Claude Giroux type. I'm not saying someone as good, That's, but someone who plays that style. I'm happy you made that distinction on goals like James Van Riemsdyk, a goal scorer. And he can get you 25-30, but from six feet and in. You yeah, know, exactly. if he scores if he scores from the hash marks, that's a goddamn bomb for him. <laughs> yeah. uh, like this, uh, you know, Peter Forsberg, like the idea of a sniper, like Peter Forsberg could snipe and never scored more than 30. But... The idea that you can just beat a goalie from anywhere, that you have multiple ways to put the puck in the net from all over the ice, is freaking huge. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. Like, Owen Tippett, as as Kelly said, fun to watch, especially when he's going. You brought up Kiefer Bellows, and he just called up. He just got called up. If I'm playing a game of posts, I want Kiefer Bellows on my team, man. That dude... <laughs> That dude gets more scoring chances that aren't even shots than I've ever slipped. And not that, like, he's all over the place, but you'd credit him with more if, like, posts counted for shots on goal is all. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just real quick on the Ursan thing, because you know, I wanted to do it later, but I mentioned it. For what does he need a condition? Like, do we haven't used them, so we're... Sandstrom. Like, yeah. Oh, that, Sandstrom. that's what I meant. Sandstrom, yeah. Well, so he just, he hasn't played in a while, and he was sick. Just hasn't played in a while. But but in truth, I mean, what's very clear is that this is more a, yeah. like, we're going to park him down there so we can get a longer look at Ursa. Look, the, the whole thing that really is bubbling under the surface with this, and this is, I've heard this for months, is that basically from the start, from, from camp, John Tortorella wanted Urson as his backup. And, mm. es- and essentially what... Because Urson was the better goalie. He's better. And essentially yeah. what Fletcher in the front office told Tortorella was like, look, we agree that Urson has been better than Sandstrom. But Sandstrom requires waivers. Urson doesn't. And also, Urson didn't play pretty much all of last year due to injury. And we want him to play a lot of games rather than sit on the bench and play. I mean, what Sandstrom played, like nine games so far this year. They want Urson yeah. to play more. So they convinced Tortorella of that. Well, since then... He hasn't been terribly impressed by Sandstrom. He kind of, like, gives him lukewarm comments whenever he's asked about I'm talking about Tortorella. And Urson yeah, yeah. has done a very good job in the AHL. Urson got the chance to come up, and I think Tort sort of sees this as, like, I've wanted this guy all along, so, like, I'm not going to give him up without a fight. And the organization is sort of like, well, like, we still need to be convinced further 
that we want to risk losing Sandstrom because we like him. So this just allows them to kind of like kick the can down the road another two weeks and see if anything like, hey, somebody might get hurt or Urson might give up six goals in a period. And then it's like, oh, he needs time. Like they're just kind of kicking it down the road and seeing what happens until they really need to make that decision, which will come later this month. Do you think Sandstrom will get claimed? I don't, but like there's always, I guess, that fear. Yeah, I guess. You always think your guys are better than they are. No, like you'd have to lose a guy. Like you're gonna give up one of the goalies you have for the uh, whatever. Um, now like uh, the reasons, like the real reasons for it, are very clear. Like everything Charlie just laid out, obvious. I just thought I don't know if I want to give Chuck Fletcher credit because why? Fuck him. Uh, but like for a guy we always say is not creative, this is at least an idea. It's something, and like I was just surprised because Sandstrom. Like, normally a conditioning stint is like, he's hurt, and now he needs to go get in shape, and this is just, he hasn't played. So we're gonna go, we're gonna, we're gonna... Yeah, he was sick, he missed that, that, that that short road trip right before Christmas, the one where they went to uh, Toronto and Carolina. He missed, he didn't go on that trip at all, because he was legitimately sick. So he is still, I think, getting over it. He hasn't played in a while. And this is just a way, as I said, for them to kick the can down the road. They're allowed to do it. He had to approve it. That was the key Mm. with his conditioning stint, was that they they can't just tell a player you're on a conditioning stint. He had to say, I agree to this. Clearly he did, so they were able to do it. All right. I I just, I found it funny that they actually came up with at least a short-term solution, which they normally... Uh, have no solutions whatsoever because they're the flyers. Everyone say hi to Ava. She's trying to sneak in. Hi, um, Ava. <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Where were we with the players? Yeah, so Owen Tippett. TK. Uh, Joel Farabee, I want to get to. You know, he had a stretch, a 12-game stretch, where he had one goal, one assist. Yeah, it was bad there for a minute. Maybe he's finding, and, like, I'm willing to... I'm willing to give very few people in this entire organization the benefit of the doubt, but the dude is coming back from a surgery only two other NHL players have had before. Uh, you know, not exactly. Yeah, he's an NHL player and he's established his role on this team and everything, but it's not like he's a 10-year vet. He's still finding his way in this league. Maybe finding a little bit of form again, small sample. We need to see it, but two goals, five points in the last six games. Is he maybe starting to get his legs back under him after, you know, a, a really tough start to this season with the surgery and everything he's gone through? Maybe. I, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Joel Farabee guy. He was the guy I yeah. wanted in that draft way back. Like, he concerns me because he just doesn't seem to be making progress. Mm. And yeah, you know, he had that, that really promising season. He was like one of the only guys who did that really promising season in 2020, 2021, the year that was lockout shortened the, because they planned for it to be lockout shortened. He, I think he was tied for the team leading goals. He was one of the few like consistently impactful guys. And you're like, hey, this is a bright spot. Then last year, he was banged up, you know, probably came back from injury too soon. So that year got kind of screwed up. Now he's got the next, the, the next thing that he had over the summer. And he just doesn't seem to be taking steps. Now, granted, I think some of that is out of his control. Some of that's been bad injury luck, whatever. But I do worry that, like, these are important years for development. And he's just kind of stagnating. And 
it's not that I, as I said, it's not that I think it's all his fault, but like it doesn't change the fact that it's it's happening. still happening. It's still yeah. happening, and like to me, this offseason was a real disappointment that he had the injury because to me, the the things that Joel Farabee needs to work on to get better are he needs to get stronger and he needs to get a little bit quicker. And what are the things you really can't do when you're recovering from neck surgery? You really you can't lift like at all. That's and, how it happens. Yeah, and like the skating has to be limited because you just hurt your neck and skating is a pretty intensive thing. So he really wasn't able to improve at all physically last summer, which means the first time he's going to get a chance to do that is next summer when he's going to be what, like 23 going on 24? I forget exactly how old he is. But I just worry because like... Farabee will be 23 on February 25th. Okay, yeah, so he'll be 23 in his year, in his 23rd year, the following year he'll be 24, okay. But he was supposed to be this two-way threat. He doesn't grade out well by advanced stats. He never really has. That's concerning to me because I expected him to be a play driver. He isn't, hasn't been that yet. And then I was like, well, okay, well, maybe he's a goal scorer, and now he's not scoring that many goals. So it's kind of like, yes, you're an NHL player, but I don't know exactly what you are like what kind of nhl player are you is there any vibe that he doesn't like he's not a torts guy and kind of like the way hayes isn't a torts guy no i I don't think torts dislikes farabee but i do think he wants more from him yeah i mean i i I don't get the sense that this is like a hayes thing where he he hates the way joel farabee plays i think there are lots of things about joel farabee's play that he likes but Joel Farabee is not the two-way threat that I think people, including myself, thought he was going to be, at least not yet. No, so, we were yeah. talking about him like Simone Gagne. Like, yeah. he's, he's going to be Gagne. Yeah, and he doesn't look like that yet. Now, I'm not saying he can't get there, but he's getting older. Every year he doesn't make progress is another year where you have to wonder, is it ever going to come? So Joel Farabee, to me, I still like the guy. Maybe it is as simple as he's getting his legs back from under him. He'll have a strong second half. But he's been a concern to me this year because I, I mean, I, I started to be concerned once the surgery thing happened because then it's like, even if he comes back, is what this is just going to be, yeah, is this just going to be a lost year of development because he just mm-hmm. had this major surgery, couldn't use all the summer to really improve. And it's kind of looking like that might be the case. This might just be like a year where he treads water. And then that just says, well, we got to wait till next year, but that's another year we got to wait. Cam York uh, called up his first game was December 9th. And I'll tell you, he sure looks like an NHL player. (laughs) I mean, he Uh, did last year too. Yeah, no, he looked like he belonged last year. I do feel as if he's taken a step. Uh, I I think he's, I, I don't know. He just looks more... I can't describe it. He just looks like he belongs more. You know, like he he's one of the six best defensemen and it's not particularly oh, close. He's one of the like, three best. I was one of the, say, I was going to say yeah. I was going to say he's one of the two best defensemen and it's not particularly close. Uh he's playing like 18 and a half minutes a game. He's been a plus in 6 of the 11 games he's played only a minus 3 times if you're into that sort of thing. Good. Good. Cam York looks like Very a good, good player. Very good. We, we, I think that we all needed for our sanity for him to be a good NHL player. I mean, I, I'm not sure having Cam York is ever going to like excite you. Yeah, like yeah. he's not. He's not gonna like. I don't. 
think he's never going to break any games for you. He's just going to be, I feel like he's going to be one of those defensemen that you don't notice very often because they're always doing the right thing, which is great. It's just not particularly exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I will say this. The one guy who, and I can see this when I watch Cam York, the one guy that scouts always compared York to stylistically coming up through, you know, through the, through the ranks, through college, whatever, was uh, Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. And mm-hmm. Josh Morrissey, you know, was real good with Jacob Trouba in Winnipeg. Then he went through a down period. Now he's like second in the NHL in points. And like I don't yeah, think Norrissey Mor- over there. Yeah, like well, among <laughs> defensemen. But like yeah. I I just I think York has the offensive ability to maybe not be a game breaker in like the Makar sense, because he clearly doesn't have that, but that he can be a pretty darn good offensive defenseman if it all comes together. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying that upside's there in theory, if he plays on a team that has the types of forwards that can take advantage of the plays he does make which this team doesn't have at the moment. but <laughs> Regrettably. Regrettably. I, I think, to me, it's just like... He York, passes to McEwen, and that's Yeah, it. and then nothing happens. York strikes me as, at this point, exactly what I thought he was going to be, which is a good second-pair defenseman. And you need those. The problem is the Flyers already have quite a few... <laughs> only. Only second-pair second defensemen. defensemen. <laughs> which, again, is going to be something this team is going to have to figure out at some point. Or, no, they, you, know, you know, actually, you know what? I'll rephrase. Because we say... This organization is going to have to figure that out at some point. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will just do nothing, (laughs) which is what they have done for the last three years. And it's like, well, it'll work itself out. And it never does because the defense just becomes bad. Because they have a bunch of It works itself out. We're drafting fifth. (laughs) They have two types of of defensemen on the seat. They have second pair defensemen who they hope were going to be first pair defensemen and aren't. And then they have second pair defensemen who actually are third pair defensemen because they think are better than they actually are. And some AHL defensemen. And some AHL defensemen, I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. I am going to continue to judge Cam York based on my expectations that he's Brian Leach, as we were told he was on draft night. There you go. Was that what they said uh, on TV? Yeah, I think that's... that. I'm fairly certain that was the comparison. We were at Fieldhouse for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, American defenseman. I think he's the next. Yeah, well, he's American. Best one ever. He's American in defense. (laughs) He's definitely American. Yeah. (laughs) He's the best one ever. So we might as well set the bar. Well, it's it's Um, like it's like what Kelly said, like Cole Caulfield, he's he scores goals, so he's Alex Ovechkin. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's why we should have gotten him. Noah Cates. Still good. He's a good player. He's nice. We it's just we have so many fucking players that I would be so excited about having if we also had good players. It like, is a team. Is so it is a team of guys who like a good team would be happy to acquire one or two at the deadline. Yeah, I it's, would say so. It's a full team of dudes yeah. who would so make many. great trade acquisitions. Unfortunately, the general manager has decided to lock them all up for eternity. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oops. <laughs> but I don't know. Kate's uh, five points last four games, only 11 in the first 34. He's scoring a bit, at least for the time being. I, I'm just starting, like, I guess my whole thesis was, this team might be not turning a corner towards the playoffs, but honestly turning a corner towards what we don't want. Not but, being in the lottery, but, yeah. But for certain individuals, it's not a bad thing. It's bad for the team, 
But for the guys we're talking about, if they're turning a corner, that's good, even though it will result in us not getting the star we badly need. Yeah. And I mean, I... I'm not sure I'm ready to say that, like, you know, they're definitely working themselves out of a lottery pick. I, at some oh, point, yeah. they're they could fall lose apart twelve in again. a row tomorrow. Yeah, they do all the time. They're going to be in the lottery. They're just not going to have the best odds yeah. in said lottery. They're not. They're no. going to have eight percent odds instead of fucking forty. Like that's yeah. or whatever. We ran through it last show. I don't remember, but yeah, Low it's odds. just We're yeah, have not great. But of course, you know, they got the second pick when they should have been thirteenth. And you when they went know. 22 and 60, they got the second pick in the fifth. The Rangers and the Devils. Yeah. A yeah. whole it bunch happens. of times. But, but, Shit happens. But yeah, going back to Cates for a second, I mean, I really like watching Noah Cates. And, and I, I think the purely from a selfish standpoint, like one thing that really scared me about this Flyers team, again, this is purely subjective. And my thing is that going into this year, especially when we found out the Sean Couturier was going to miss even more time. It was like, well, this sucks because there's no one on this team that I actually, no one left on this team that I actually really enjoy watching play hockey all the time. Like, I used to really enjoy watching Oscar Lindblom play before the, before the cancer. Mm-hmm. I obviously really enjoyed watching Claude Giroux play. I love watching Sean Couturier play. Like, there's types of guys where, like, I love those, like, intelligent guys that always make They're the little- right decision. And that are Their subtleties in, are amazing. Yeah, that are always in the rise. I really enjoy watching them play. And I was like, well, this stinks. I'm going to I'm gonna get to watch a team full of, like, Ristolainens and D'Angelo's and people that just do <laughs> dumb shit all the time. And, that just, and, then, and, and then a bunch of kids who might become that eventually, but in the short term, are learning those things. So they're going to make dumb mistakes because they're kids that are learning the NHL. And I was like, well, this is going to kind of stink. Noah Cates has been the one guy who I really have enjoyed watching like from up in the press box and being like, man, that was a smart play. Like, man, I didn't even think like watching from up top. I didn't even think to, that, that a player should have made that play, but that's exactly the play he should have made. Cates to me, like, is he going to be a star? No, he's probably a middle of the lineup player, but I do think that he has more offensive ability than he's showing right now because the flyers are, really kind of using him them kind of using him as like their one C at the moment. He probably isn't even a center. And if he is a center, he's certainly not a first line center. So no, ma'am. like he's not scoring much, but I think he can. Like I, I look at him and I see a guy who maybe could score, you know, 35, 40 points a year as a third, second liner type. And then he makes that line better because he's on it. And that's yes. not what he's playing now, but that's what he could play on a good team if they ever built one. I love, you can tell, you can tell what kind of music Charlie likes based on the kind of hockey player he likes. <laughs> Charlie's a, he's not going for the singles, man. He's all about the, <laughs> the deep like, cuts. No, like, yeah. oh, Ristolainen and the hits, Tony yeah. D'Angelo and the points. No, I don't want that shit. No, he give sides, me, baby. give me the guy who's in the right place in the neutral zone. <laughs> you, you gotta hear it. You gotta see it. Exactly. It takes a refined palate, a refined <laughs> eye. But you you can see it. You just got to be. And, you know, that's why he's our that's why he's our resident Ivy Leaguer. All right. That's we're going right. to take a little break. The last like 10 minutes flew by uh, on the other side. We're going to talk about Travis Konechny because we haven't in a little while. Um, and I think we should because he's kind of good. Uh, so yeah. So stay tuned through this break. and We're going to do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back, fam. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey. We just ran through some of the uh, younger players who may be taking a step towards actually, not just they're here because we don't have anyone else, but could actually be here in a year or three and be contributors on a team that is in the playoffs. I I know, I I know, but we got to look towards something. But Travis Konechny, been here a little while, and... Coming into this year, I was done with him is the wrong word because that it's like people were done with Morgan Frost because they think he can't play. And it's like, all right, well, maybe not, but I, I want to see. Travis Konechny, we knew could play, but I just was positive I knew what he was. Yeah, we've played him on the first line because we had Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. Of course, you could put anyone there, you know? You could put Michael Raffle on such a line, and it would probably work. <laughs> uh, but he's a really good second-line player. That's what Travis Konechny is. Done. Man, I know someone has to score, uh, but you could say that a lot about you know everyone else in this lineup. You know, Kevin Hayes has, like, three goals. Uh... Someone has to score, and he's doing it. He's got 19 through 38 games. Is he better than we thought? Or at least I thought? I think that last year, and you may not have done this consciously, but a lot of people did do it consciously. A lot of people decided that Travis Konechny was not as good as we thought he was. Because last year was a disaster. And he... He just is this good. Like, this is as good as he was before the contract. Like, this is... I mean... He's a very good player. This year is better, but, like, of course he's His career better. high he's, is 24 goals. He's going to have that by the end of the month. Yeah. That's he could have goal. that tonight. Like... <laughs> but I, I do think there is something to be said for the somebody has to score thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, truly, who that. else is going to do it? But... It's just him. And I wanted, when we were going to do the show, like, the week between Christmas and and New Year, like, it was a little more relevant, because, like, you know, it was being said. But the difference between Hayes and TK, and I think, like, Hayes, while he came in, and the idea was he's a good two-way center, he he fits, like, our, not a superstar, but a good role player who can play both ways, and now, maybe, he's cheating a little bit for that offense. And because of that, and just, like, the way he looks on the ice, the coach fucking hates. Uh, but but because of that, like, you're even though he's scoring, you're losing something on the other end, and it's kind of canceling each other out. At least as far as the coach's perception of this guy, you know, 37 points already, 19 goals, and he's giving him more responsibility and believes in, in him more than he did at the beginning of the season. And I was watching a game a few weeks ago when they were using TK on the penalty kill and the announcers were talking about how 
Tortorella was absolutely shocked a coach had not used him on the penalty kill before because of his skill set. Like, one, if he blocks a shot, he's got a breakaway. And he's a pretty good goal scorer. I've always thought, like, use guys in that role because you never know. Um, But I just... I'm seeing a different guy. Yeah, sure. Uh, Someone has to score. But that only accounts for some of this. You know, he's going to score, like, 35 goals this year. And that's not something... You know, he had three consecutive years with 24. <laughs> That's, I, I don't think we ever saw this ceiling form, at least not in two, three years. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on here, because I do think, as Kelly said, there's something to be said about the, somebody has to score. He's getting yeah. a ton of, he's getting a ton of ice time. Like, he's getting 20, 20 minute, 20, 29 per night. His previous yeah. high was 1737. Yeah, so he's 17, getting yeah. three more minutes a night than he's ever gotten before. So that gives him more opportunities to score. He's on the penalty kill. He scored a couple shorties. He's pretty much always on the top power play unit. Like that, he and he's always out there as like not just out there in late game situations, but also like the focal point, like the guy they're trying to get the puck to. So if they ever do score when they're trying to chase a game, he's the guy who tends to be involved because he's just getting more ice up. So there's something to be said about the usage. That is definitely. But he's he's converting that. Like he is. It's he not is. just a volume thing. Yeah. He's actually producing in this amount of time he's getting. Well, I do think too, and this this kind of just hit me a few minutes ago. Last season, TK, there was a little bit of pre, and obviously they're completely different players. But in terms of fan perception, there was a little bit of pre breakout Sean Couturier. In, in this particular way, in that people got real, real mad at Sean Gatturi back in the day before he became a 70-point guy because he would have these scoring chances and he wouldn't finish and it would piss people off because every time they saw him, he'd have this golden scoring opportunity and he wouldn't finish on it. And that would remind them how much they hate Sean Gatturier and have, because he doesn't score enough. It, was, it, just, it sticks in your head. Travis Konecki was kind of the same way last year in the sense that he created a lot of shots and a lot of chances. He just wasn't finishing on them. I mean, the guy shot 7.3%, and it was like, it wasn't that he wasn't creating. It was that he wasn't finishing, and nothing pisses off Flyers fans, hockey fans in general, but Flyers fans in particular. Nothing pisses them off more than a guy who can't finish on chances because it's just like, they get so excited, and then it's like, well, fuck you, you can't score enough. Like, Travis Connect get 52 points, not a bad year. But because he didn't score on enough of, a cha- of his chances, finish enough of his chances, people got real pissed, pissed at him, particularly if they were still watching every game. This year, he's basically shooting about the same. He's just scoring more on those shots. And some of that, I'm sure, is the work he's put in to make his shot more deceptive, to learn more about shooting areas. Some of that... It's just fucking regression. Like, this, there was no way he was ever going to score only on 7% of his shots again. I was screaming that all summer. And this year, he's scoring on 18%. He's probably not an 18% shooter, but he sure as hell wasn't a 7% shooter. So some mm-hmm. of this is just the fact that he probably was already making improvements last year, just people were too frustrated to notice. And now, yeah. the combination of opportunity, positive regression, and just the fact that, like, as, as Kelly said— Somebody's got to score the goals. He's scoring a lot of goals. And his, like, some of my perception goes back to what I initially thought of TK. There's a lot of people that still haven't forgiven TK for not scoring in the playoffs. A lot of people. Like, I 
I honestly have forgotten all about those playoffs. You brought that up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that did happen. A lot of people have. Uh, no, my, my perception of TK goes back to his first couple of years when I was like, oh, good playmaker, really fun to watch. Um, not, not, a, not a particularly strong NHL shot. Just doesn't look like he can beat goalies. And, yes, last year, the low shooting percentage and everything, big part of it. But, like, goals per game was the exact same as the year before that, like 0.22 to 0.2. Like, uh, goals per 60, almost exactly the same as the year before. So it just kind of looked like he plateaued. And he just, yeah, those 24 goals a year, he's not even that. That was actually the high end. And I I was okay with that because he's still a good player. Like, last year was not a horrible year. Like you said, he was in on a ton of scoring chances. He did have a bunch of points. It was just, man, someone needs, like, someone's, someone has to score. Someone needs to score. And the Flyers thought they had someone who could a little and can't. And now he can again. And maybe he goes back. Maybe it reverts. But I, I think there's just something to be said for taking advantage of this opportunity. We've given so many guys so many opportunities over the last few years. And they've all come up short. I... I'm just very impressed by Travis Konechny right now, and that's not something I came into this year thinking was even possible. If you were GM of this team, would you sell high on him right now? So that's an interesting question. I think I question. might. That's I think a I great would. question. Be- because, like... Man, that's a great I'm, I'm, question. I'm of, I'm of two camps here, because the first camp tell, says it like, yeah. you know what, I want this guy to be part of what they're building. He's a good player. He's bought in. Like, he bought in. He bought it's in. so hard. Like... And I think the way Tortorella looks at Travis Konechny, and I truly believe this, I think he's looking at Travis Konechny and he's like, this guy's going to be my new Cam Atkinson. This is Mm -hmm. my Cam. Because it was the same deal where Cam Atkinson became a shorthanded threat, all situations guy. He was never great defensively, but damn it, he tried hard. And that's enough for Torts. If you're scoring... Defense is mostly effort. Yeah, if you're scoring and you try hard you know what, you'll deal with the fact that maybe his instincts aren't the best because at least he's given it his all and he's not cheap. And I think that's what Torts envisions Konechny to be, his new Cam Atkinson. That said, here's my concern with Travis Konechny and why I would strongly consider thinking about selling high on him. And it comes down to the fact that, as Kelly pointed out, someone's got to score on this team. Travis Konechny has two more years left on his contract. His contract expires in the summer of 2025. Most likely, the Flyers are not going to be good next year. And maybe if things really break their way, by 2024-25, the last year of Travis Konechny's contract, they'll finally be starting to pull themselves out of this. The problem is, is that in the here and now, Konechny's racking up a lot of points. Because again, who else is going to? There's no one else to make as the centerpiece of the offense. So Konechny, while on a good team, is probably a 60-point guy because he's behind Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos and Braden Point on this team because they don't have those guys. He's got to be that guy. The problem is, is that if he does that for another two years, then justifiably, he's going to be like, hey, I'm a point-per-game guy. I want $8 million. Pay me like one. And the problem, this is is an issue that bad teams can fall into. 
where it's, we don't have anyone to play that role, so we have to play guys in roles above their status. Then they, they create a resume that makes them worth more than they actually should be. Then you overpay them, and then you get stuck in this, this circular rut of like, well, now we're overpaying guys, so we can't afford the guys who are actually good. So Travis Konechny has to continue to be the second best forward on the team, when in reality he should be the fourth or fifth. So that's my concern, and that's why I would legitimately consider selling high. I don't want to, but I would consider it because I worry about what happens. I'd love for him to be part of the future. I worry that for him to be part of the future, he'd have to be overpaid. That's my yeah. concern. Yeah. It's a it's a legit it's a legit concern. Um I I don't want to be like attached to any players, especially one that like 3 months ago I wasn't the least bit attached to. <laughs> was hoping he was traded this summer uh prior to the season. And we've seen what happens when you get attached to your own guys and overvalue your own guys. But Fuck, there's something to building a culture, and it looks like he could be a part of that. But yeah. end of the day, I don't think... While, as Charlie just broke down, on a good team, he is a second liner. But if you could use him in that Cam Atkinson role on the PK, if he can be... If he can make your second power play good, like, suddenly, that's what makes a good team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But what you could get in return for him is so enticing. Yeah. I think ultimately I'm on the side of selling high, but I'm more apprehensive than I've been in three years. Yeah. but And you know what, honestly, like, and this is the hard truth of it all, is that the fact that we're apprehensive about selling Travis Konechny almost is an argument as to why they should sell Travis Konechny because the guys who everybody wants to sell are the guys that they're pissed off at. Nobody wants. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Wants. Guess nobody what? Wants. People would want Travis Konechny now because he's good and fun, and that's probably, from a shrewd GM standpoint, is when you should sell a guy. Yeah, and it would require the actual turning the corner into a rebuild, but I yes, feel like if, like if if today the Flyers decided, okay, this is it. We got to rebuild. I feel <laughs> like trading Travis Konechny is like the first thing that you try yeah, to do because fair. you're going to definitely get some assets back. It, it definitely, yeah, like, it would be a, as, as disappointed as I think people would be because Travis Konechny is a good player and is playing very yeah. well. It would be a real sign, a much needed sign that they have a fucking plan. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I, also, we all have I want to say keep him, but I just can't justify yeah. it. No. Like, you, you sell, like, you get rid of James Van Riemsdyk and Braun and whoever else isn't nailed down because, like, that's what you do on Sunday night. You take the recycling to the curb. But <laughs> if you actually, but that's just what you do. Yeah, it's just what you, you do. You have to. Yeah. It, if you're actually going to move forward, like, yeah, you gotta get rid of maybe make some tough choices, like yeah. make some room for the shit you you yeah. really need. And, and and that's been truthfully, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but that's truthfully been one of Chuck Fletcher's big failings is just that lack of creativity. But tied in with that lack of creativity is that he really hasn't been willing to make tough decisions. He just like 
He, he just, makes no decisions. He just doesn't do yeah, it. Yeah, none. Like, right. Like he, he Unless always, it's giving a guy way too many yeah. years in a contract, he makes no decisions. Like, he tra- yeah, I, I guess you could argue the Voracek thing was a tough decision. That was about it. That was That's really the only, like, you know, th- and that was less a tough decision. That wasn't a tough decision because, like, that, that was a tough decision because he didn't have that much value and you knew you had to, like, find a way to creatively mm-hmm. get out of that contract. That wasn't a, like, we're selling a good player and we're going to take the risk that maybe it makes more sense for us not to have him at the tournament assets. You know what I mean? You were, pay- yeah, you were paying him 8 million bucks and like, he was never going to rebound in the organization. Like, yeah, there was With just hindsight. Don't you kind of think a that, problem like, here. that like Yarmo called him and was like, Hey, you want to give us four check? We'll give you Atkinson. Like, no, I've, I, eh. like I, I, they, they were trying to shop for check that whole summer. But like, for example, mm-hmm. like we'll talk about a guy like Ivan Provorov, like Ivan Provorov, Rather than actually make a decision on what he is and what his fit is in this organization, they've just kind of froze and been like, well, I guess we'll yeah. just wait and see every single offseason. And now, I don't know how much value he even has. A guy who, like... Has anyone... I, I talked about how, um, like, in my eyes, a couple of guys have impressed me, but, like, Morgan Frost, big step this season, at least over the last 15, 20 days, whatever. Um, just the precipitous drop in perception of fucking Ivan Provorov. I don't know if I've ever seen such a thing. I, I don't know what this guy is. I have no idea. I don't even know if he's a good player. Like, he's I try to watch player. him and form an opinion. I honestly have no opinion on Ivan Provorov at this point. He's just a dude in skates. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if yeah. he's bad. He's just a dude on the team. Yeah, I, I think that the comparison between him and Konechny is a really, really interesting one now because you have two guys that were taken in the same draft year that came up to the team the same year. Both had two consecutive, like, mass seasons. And they get the new coach, and one guy steps up and rebounds, and the other guy, I don't think he's gotten worse, but I think he's just the exact same guy as he was the previous two years. Like. He's just the same dude from the past two seasons. And that's... Is that I, dude a second-pair defenseman? Yeah, I think Like, is so. what yes. we've seen... Yeah, like, I is he so. good enough to say, I would want him on my second pair? I think so. I think, like, a four. <laughs> and and, and four. I do think, too, I think Provorov, honestly, I think he would probably benefit mentally from being on a better hockey team. Oh, because he's a join a the piss, fucking club. Bro. I was gonna say he's a big piss baby. Why don't you try making the team better then, you stupid? I'm just shit. saying. Me don't too. Don't you think he needs to change his stick? Like, what if he just changed his stick? He has changed long. his stick multiple times. He didn't make it shorter, did he? He it was like long for a while, then it was shorter, then he went it back went back to it being long. People obsess over this. It's not the stick; it's the player. Yeah, he just stinks. I hate him. I've decided he's the one. I used to do that. I used to do that all the time in like high school. If I like, uh, like flubbed the pass, like I went to like, uh, like sauce pass it, and it just like went. I would like look at my blade. Like it must be broken. Yeah, it's obviously definitely not me who sucks. It's not me. Definitely not me who sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's the stick. Definitely the stick. No, my teammates would be like, "You can't pass. What? Why did you even try?" I was like, "I don't know." But yeah, Provy, you get lucky now and then. I, I don't know. I do think that if you put. If if Ivan Provorov ends up like leaving here, you know, doesn't finish his career in Philadelphia, to me the the what if game I'm gonna play is like 
what if he didn't come up and have to immediately be the number one? Like, yep. what if he was able? And... To come, what if he was able to come up and be the three and just be like the really good second pair guy, and then possibly grow into that number one role rather than a month into his rookie year he was handed twenty six minutes a night? What if? At any point, and how long has he been here now? Like, what's this? Like, Feels year like a six? decade. Well, it was yeah. 2016, I believe, was his first year. Oh with my Duke. god! Oh my god! Yeah, like, so six. What if at any point, and this is not meant as a as I look up his his first year was 16, 17. Yeah, so this is what one, two, three, four, five, six. This is seventh season. Mm. Seventh. Yeah, that sounds right. What if at some point, and this is not to uh, besmirch the good name of Shane Gosses Bear, who had an amazing year next to Provorov once, uh, nor is it to talk down on Matt Niskanen, who we all thought was done and looked like at least for that one season he could still play. What if at some point he wasn't the best player on his pair? Yeah, he 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 wasn't for six games, and we liked what we saw. No, like. Mm-hmm. There was a six game stretch yeah. and not, not, not consecutively. Oh, Ryan but, Ellis. Yeah. Like what if at some point, like you said, what if he didn't come up and have to be the number one? What if he didn't come up, have to be the number one and do it next to fucking Andrew McDonald. Yeah. And now a lot of it is on the player. Just be better. Just get better. Be good. But he's played 488 NHL games. How many of them was he way better than his partner? Very few. 482 of them? Like, every single... I just... I I look at Provorov and I see a guy who, especially these last couple years, I think that... Like, for example, Provorov on the power play, okay? Part the reason why they never took Provorov off the power play, even though he stunk at it, was because he felt like, I'm the number one defenseman on this team, I take on all these minutes you can't take me off the power play. And he would sulk if it was ever brought up as a possibility, even though it was the right thing to do, which is why it took them so long for them to do it. My point is that I would love to see an alternate universe where he wasn't just given those things. He had to earn them because there were two guys in front of him who were very clearly better. You know what I mean? And and to be, yeah, absolutely. Uh, To be fair to Provorov, and you can't, you know, you're not good at it. Quit bitching. Uh, but we have talked quite a bit, especially in years past, when we, you know, why don't they just try this guy on the power play? I know he's only like a third or fourth line player, but he'd be good in space, this and that. And we've said power play time is a reward for your five on five because it's where you put up points. Yeah. Like, unless you're one of the greats or just one of these lucky dudes who scores uh, nonstop. Um, it's where you accumulate your statistics. And statistics are how you get paid. Yeah. So, it's kind of, like, if Provorov's going to be asked to play, you know, double the minutes of everyone else on defense, and he's going to take on, yeah, I'll put the fucking anchor of McDonald on my back, I'll go up against the first lines and everything, it is sort of... No, I, I right? understand that he gets I, those oh, no, minutes. Fuck that. No, fuck that. I, I understand no, 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 why no. he thinks no. that way. I do. He shouldn't I, okay, get them. I understand why he thinks that way. Yes, but yes. the team should absolutely not be indulging his bullshit. Like, if if you want the power play time, okay, you earn some power play time. We'll put you on there, and then you're dog shit on it every single time. Sorry, buddy. 
You're off. Like, he did sorry, have the one year the where he had like ten goals. So he had like, that the one year just where he, kept going. It was like all these seeing Iris shots from the fire, point. fire, 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 like, fire. Eventually, some of them go in. But is it, he would just good at like distributing no. the puck on the power play. Like he sucks at it. They would just somehow have like a double screen, and he'd take a wrist shot, and the goalie wouldn't react, and the right. Flyers would have yeah. a goal. Yeah. It would be ridiculous. It, but he did have that one year where he yeah, scored. Yeah. But we kept but it, saying they need to take him off, but he keeps scoring. But it goes back to, to what I was saying. It was basically like, yeah. I think what we're seeing now is that Ivan Provorov's ideal role would be the number three defenseman. The problem is, is that he's been the number one for so long. It's very hard to get a guy to accept on that team that he should be the number three and have the duties and responsibilities and prestige that come with being the number three. Now, that's why I, I honestly think he would benefit if, like, he went to, like, he got traded and he went to a team that had, like, Victor Hedman. And it's like, okay, well, like, as, as good as I think I am, I know I'm not as good as Victor Hedman. So I got to defer to somebody, and I know that, I, and I'm willing to do that because I can win titles. I actually want to know... Like, in theory, yes, he would defer. I would actually would love to see this situation unfold where he goes to a team with one of these, like, perennial Norris guys to see if it became, like, a thing. Yeah, now, we hear the rumblings of Provorov's attitude, but, like, mm-hmm. we don't have any good players, so it doesn't matter. Like, if there was a situation in which he was on Colorado and they have, like, four guys better than him. You know, I don't think would, he would like that shit. Would he bitch about it to the yes. point where, like, I think badly he needs a change of scenery? Like, we want to we want to cash in on Konechny. We think yeah. it's best for us. Uh, for Provorov and just the whole situation, I think he would benefit greatly from a change of scenery. But I wonder if his attitude would continue elsewhere. Like, it seems as if this is who he is. Maybe it's like Charlie said, he, you know, he would just benefit mentally from being on a better team. He looks around and goes, who the fuck's better than me? And good question. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're not, it, it says nothing about you, by the way. Who's better than you? Yeah, really, no one. But it's not because you're great. Let's start yeah. right there, Ivan. Yeah. But I wonder if that attitude would continue even though there were players better. Like, It makes sense. Oh, yeah, I defer to Victor Hedman because he's fucking Victor Hedman. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. But would he? I don't I know wonder. what happened during this show, but somehow like today became the day that I definitely hate Ivan Provorov. <laughs> I feel like you've hated I don't him think for it's a just while. Today. No, I, I, yeah, but I feel like, like, today definitely, like, like, cemented it for you. That's it. We're done. I'm done with him. Okay. Do we have any? Go push else? a rock up a hill, dickhead. So, Carter Hart's back. That's nice. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, they Maybe were cautious with the line and won't injure him again. Cautious with his concussion, <laughs> and now he's back, and we'll be starting on Thursday night. Cool. Against Neat. those Arizona Coyotes, who, by the way, put up six on Tampa and Colorado. So. They could definitely. So this is a classic like, example of like how even bad teams win games sometimes. The Ducks beat the Stars last night. Yeah, plus 170, baby. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Coyotes are like the ultimate YOLO team. Like, got nothing to play for. Know it. Don't give a shit. So we're just going to, like, we're going to go try to score a bunch of goals. Good luck. Like, you'll probably beat us, but maybe we'll we'll get, we'll shoot like 40% tonight. Like, that's, that's, I, I, they're, they're such a disgrace. How do they even fucking exist? 
and we don't need to get into this because we're at like an hour ten already. And <laughs> I, <you> know. yeah. <laughs> All right. Are we done? Do we have anything else? Yeah, no, we're good. Good. good show. We're good. All right. How was everyone's New Year? Good times? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. First New Year sure. in South Philly. It was cool. Yay. Yeah. All right. So that will do it for Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. You know the routine. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, follow, whatever it is. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, search Broad Street Hockey. Give us that thumbs up. Give us that five-star review. Write some nice words about us. Uh, it's it's just cool. It's a cool thing to do. This is all free for you. It, it, we're asking for like 10 seconds of your time. It's real simple. All right. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Turn that shit up, you motherfucker! The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freakin' Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stro Show. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.